Welcome to This Week in Common Sense. My name is Timothy Verkulov. I'm here to help Paul Jacob run through the big stories of the week that have appeared on his website, Common Sense with Paul Jacob. That's thisiscommonsense.org. From Monday, Halloween Day, to the end, Friday the 4th of November, 2022. So we had, uh, I, I think our, our most interesting title was Right Wing Nudist from Berkeley. And it's kind of a Halloween piece. The story is kind of weird and creepy. David DePape, and I think his middle name is Wayne. Because I was, uh, I read some story and, you know, I, I don't know if if, uh, if you think the same way, but it's like you hear these murders and serial killers and and it's like they always, they first of all, they always have a middle name, you know, and it's uh, John Wayne Gacy or, you know, this or that. And it's like, and this guy's name was, uh, was Wayne. And so I thought of John Wayne Gacy, who, who was, what was his, uh, his, was that son of Sam? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't remember who Gacy nice. is. I don't remember the, the names of some of these serial killers. This, this guy is not as competent as a serial no. killer. And he may not be anything like a killer. I mean, we don't really know what happened there. This piece was about the Pelosi uh, uh, attack, the attack on Paul Pelosi. And, you know, in some ways, uh, I thought I could wait and maybe more would come out on it. But I kind of had a sense that more wouldn't come out on it. And I my sense was right. Now maybe maybe that's just there was there isn't anything more to say, but it it just strikes me that it's it's Thursday night. We're doing this a day early. We finished our Friday uh thank you for your quick edit. Uh and uh and so it's it, this happened Friday. At 2 a.m., so in the wee hours Friday, so all day Friday, it had people got word of it, the media, the police, and and the weekend, and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And and I did see a story, and I didn't get a chance to read it. Apologize, everybody. But uh, apparently Pelosi's going home, which strikes me that maybe the attack was not as bad as it could have been. I mean, we know it's not as bad as it could have been, but... Uh, He's getting hit with a in the head with a hammer. It could just be one hit and you're dead. You know, that's it's a pretty serious weapon and so on. And just drives, as I mentioned in this piece, uh, you know, I I, uh, I I try to stay away from hammers as much as I can. They hurt fingers, and I think they would hurt your head if they if you got hit. Yeah, I once uh, faded after I hit my thumb with a hammer, so I'm 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 with you on that. Someone once told me that they that they never seen anybody quite hammer a nail into a roof that way, but but apparently it worked. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. Yeah, well, generally not with a thumb in between. That's the the, the nail. That's just a good yes. idea. You hold the nail with your hand or something like this, wang wang wang, and then if you miss the nail, then what's what's right next to it? Yeah, I think the point is not to miss the nail. I think that's a big part of it. Well, anyway, that you know, I did do some roofing. Uh, I did mainly like uh, when I was a, a young man. I uh, I did roofing for about a year, I think, um, and mainly commercial roofs, which oh. seemed to be easier, more mysterious too. But uh, uh, you know, because you're trying to fix leaks that may go a long way. You know, it's not quite as uh, oh. so it seems like. But but anyway, but also did some you know hammering in shingles and stuff on roofs i've done some roofing but not you know not professionally i don't think any of, any of my fellow roofers saw me as a professional roofer but <laughs> but i tried well you know the, the last I, I was the avis of, of roofing yeah or, or maybe the uh empire <laughs> or uh, maybe del the dollar well, enterprise, or, enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, i don't know the thrust of this piece, basically, which is is not necessarily said. I kind of just laid out where we were on it, um, and the fact that you know this nudist from Berkeley is uh, you know is is proof that it's the Republicans' fault and all kinds of things like that. But the thing that screams at me about this story, which is probably the biggest story of the week, is that it's been handled totally different than other stories by the media. There's absolutely no curiosity whatsoever about 
the details. Did it happen exactly as they said? What are you saying happened? Who was there? You know, uh, NBC on Sunday reported there was a third person who opened the door for police. Then it turns out, no, there wasn't. Well, where'd they get that? Um, and and it's not it, it's not to cast aspersions on Paul Pelosi, but uh, if I were an investigator looking at this case, the first thing that would jump out at me is that this man in the last couple of months has gotten arrested for drunk driving. And uh, it didn't seem to be a group. I think he was just out there. I'm sure there's a lot of away time. If he's living in, in San Francisco and she's living in Washington, you, you can't even run a long way and see the other person. You got to kind of take a cross the country flight. And so I, and, and, uh, and I think that was at two in the morning or something. He's 82 years old. Uh, and so it's just my, when I think of Paul Pelosi as a, as someone who's looking at an incident, I'm thinking, I just wonder what's going on and, and so on. And I think that's what led perhaps other people to just want to know if there's another shoe that's going to drop. It's also interesting that, like, um, I think there are people who've said some things. Uh, Carrie Lake said something that was just kind of off the cuff and was not negative, and it was played up as a vicious thing because everybody laughed at it. And it was something about, you know, that we need better protection. You know, we we protect our leaders. Well, maybe not so much, you know, or something. And, and she didn't laugh like I did just then, but... I, I didn't laugh because I think it's funny that Paul Pelosi was hurt. It's there is irony sometimes in things. And it's it's really stupid to have a society where you want to jump on anyone who ever says anything or that that you think is even slightly, oh, you can't say that, you can't laugh, you can't and and Every time that I hear that somebody did something wrong, I'm always wanting to know what did they do? What did they say? What specifically did they say? What specifically did they do so I can make my judgment? I And I kind of figure that's the way we all do, isn't it? And I'm amazed at how often that's not part of the story. They're not trying to give us facts for us to make judgments. Uh, they're not even telling us why somebody's bad. They're simply saying they are, and it's racist, or it's this, or it's and and you know the attacks on Republicans. I mean, there's been nobody who said anything that I've have heard yet. Uh, there was a thing about Yunkin. There's a thing about uh, Carrie Lake in Arizona. You know, lots have been on MSNBC and those kind of mouthpieces, and. They just, you know, they just didn't say anything vicious or mean or, you know, and and maybe they didn't cry about it. They certainly didn't say, hey, I'm responsible because I ran a campaign where I pointed out things were bad. And it's like um, if someone were to attack Newt Gingrich, uh, <laughs> if I were going to attack somebody, he might be he might be high on my list. You're safe, Newt. You're totally safe. Uh but but you know would the democrats all come forward and kind of go oh it's uh, we demonized him for years we demonized him nonstop and we're so sorry we just realized my god we could do it too it's unbelievable no they would not get it and they wouldn't get it on anyone they demonized like donald trump for instance if someone were to kill donald trump would the media spend four seconds in self-reflection that maybe they overstated it? And and look, this is not a call for the media to, I mean, I would tone it down if I were you, because I think uh, speaking to the media, you're totally ineffective. You have, in essence, made Trump. Anytime I hear the media complain about Trump, and here it is, two years after he's been out of office and it's, he's still everywhere and, and so on. That's your creation, baby, not mine, not the American people's. And, and it would have been interesting, I think, to see what the Trump presidency would have done 
had there not been the kind of fierce media resistance that was just overwhelming. Um, and the truth is, I, I I think about that, and I'm not sure that it, that it was a that it would have been a worse presidency had the media not been just hyper anti-Trump. It may have been may have been a worse presidency, not a better one. Now he may he may not have been as as you know kind of much on Twitter and but but I I kind of think it was very smart for him to be on Twitter. I mean, I, my my problems with with Trump are certain policies, which I'm going to have a problem with anybody who I don't agree with your policy on that. And post uh, election 2020, yeah, and I'm you know I'm kind of with you. Uh, my um, I just dislike him for his personality chief no i actually you know <laughs> i mean i don't respect I him sort of do. but i like him kind of in a trump yes. is what america generally and democrats in specific deserve so i like to see people get what they deserve and so trump <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to take that tim <laughs> well you know i mean he's the the, the two sides ramp each other up they pr produce nemeses in the other they make each other into worse versions of themselves each you know each cycle the reason trump exists is because hillary clinton was nominated for the presidency and the left and the democrats were okay with antifa and blm and bam riding on campuses i mean yeah. pc was a huge issue and yes. his supporters were just tired of it sick of it you know i got involved in the term limits movement in 91 Throughout the 90s, there was huge energy for reform. It was all scuttled at the national level. Anywhere you, where you didn't have the initiative process at the state level, it was scuttled too. And and uh, and so, you know, this has been pent up for a long time. But it, especially, I think you're right that nominating Hillary Clinton, it was the establishment. And 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 think about they nominated Hillary Clinton. And people like Chuck Todd, who six months after the election kind of, you know, whatever it was, said, uh, said, well, geez, we just didn't really get that she people didn't trust her or whatever. Well, why didn't you get that? I, you're looking at polls all the time. They said it when I looked at those polls, I sure got it. And but they they had no clue that that for a lot of people was this is just the establishment writ large. Uh, I remember my father. Uh, who kind of shocked the rest of the family by being very pro-Trump and me saying to him, uh, you know, dad, this is not, you know, this isn't the way you behave, the, the, the uh, whatever uh, access Hollywood tape or whatever. And, and uh, he said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying Trump is a good guy. Don't be Trump. But he said, he's the only guy on this stage and he was talking about the Republicans and 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 he certainly didn't think Hillary Clinton was going to be the right choice. But he says he's the only guy on the stage that will do anything different than the status quo in Washington. And when he said the status quo in Washington, I think there are just hundreds of millions of people. I mean, there were only 300 some odd million people in America, but a couple hundred million of them hate that status quo and realize it's corrupt and have some respect for the dream of America, for different great things that America has done, for what it's enabled, for all kinds of people coming to this country and getting to live freer than they would have been able to live back home by a long shot. At least that's how they saw it. And after they were here, they, they saw it that way even more. That, you know, and, and I see it getting older, that it's like, you know, you, you step back and you realize you're very lucky to have been born in America. There's a lot of people who want to come here. What's the basics? The basics are you're free to say what you want to say, to do what you want to do. You come up with a new idea. You can take it to market. <laughs> it's increasingly difficult, but you can. And, uh, and that's being lost. And it's being lost, not because the American people said, no, we, we really want something else. We want socialism. 
it's being lost because we have a totally corrupt government that, you know, government is corruption. I used to think, what percentage is corruption? And, and then I realized it's just, it's almost 100%. I mean, accidentally, sometimes something good happens because there are people involved and people are generally good. Um, but but it's, to me, the uh, the the level of, corruption really undermines our ability in the world to be effective and it undermines our ability to get on the same page politically at all when they talk about how separated the american people are that's totally in my mind not, not that there's not some inkling where we disagree we disagree on all kinds of things but i disagree with my wife on all kinds of things well let's not bring that in no i'm just kidding but uh but but we disagree with everybody. I mean, I don't know. I haven't bumped into anybody where I agree 100%. And uh, and so that's not the problem. The problem is much more that we have two sides that want to stick it to the other side to win this contest between the red and the blue. And unfortunately, anytime you're sticking it to the other side, you're using government to stick it to somebody. And that means it's not good government. But in this case, it really was some private affair between De Papa and Pelosi, and it's and it's what what that was we don't know. But you know, the, you know, there's a lot of rumors. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the rumors, right? Well, yeah. I don't get around much, so uh, so I probably haven't heard all well, the rumors. I mean, but but it, there's there's no reporting that I've heard that even really suggests there was anything going on there, or that that it that the 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 only reporting I've heard, heard or read, is that the Papa broke in and woke up Pelosi, and Pelosi made the call, and surreptitiously kind of had to go to the bathroom, but he had a phone or something, and and so this is a a break in, and and then a fight with a hammer, and and how that hammer got there. I really would like to know that, but there's I've 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 seen nothing, and I've I've read the Washington Post, I've read other stories. I haven't done a whole lot of searching because I've been very busy, but uh, but I, every time I see a story on it, I try to you know I'm trying to learn what I can. I'm sure the media says that many of the rumors are, what shall we say, conspiracy theories or or misinformation or disinformation and partisan at that, and that might be true. It would be nice if that were the case, that the media would then supply the information that would debunk the other theories. But since they don't, and they don't provide much information, and we have very little uh, transparency from the, the police involved, uh, and there's been contradictory information. Uh, I mean, the last I heard, both men were in their underwear. And... Uh, the, the, now, the, I've read that that was debunked, and I yeah, and I, I had, I've read that it's debunked I, it was too. debunked before I'd even heard it. I hadn't even heard it; it had already been debunked. Yeah. But once but, again, I heard it was debunked, and it said it was debunked. <laughs> I didn't see the debunking. And well, hell, you know, there's evidence. no lab leak, so so after the track record on the lab leak, I think these people have to be believed. I mean, come on, anything they say, they went the extra mile on that to kind of bring the facts out. No, it it does. And here's the other thing. You get old. <laughs> That's a recurring theme, unfortunately. Uh, but you get old and you and you kind of start to realize, yeah, this sounds this doesn't sound quite right. And and you're more apt to kind of go with that sense. And and again, I'm not suggesting I know anything about this other than what I've read or heard. And and I I only know that seems to be very little. That it's that they don't seem to want to say, well, let me give you the full information on this, as if we're interested. We they want to go straight to how you're supposed to react. And you're supposed to react by voting Democratic and hating the Republicans for saying these things and driving these Berkeley nudists crazy. Uh so crazy that they become right-wing, you know. Uh, white supremacists and and want to kill people like Nancy Pelosi and or question them and then break their kneecaps. I mean, this guy sounds crazy, even more crazy than most people who attack folks and and uh, act in that bizarre manner. 
but it's the the reaction the 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 way the media has reacted certainly has uh, you know sends up my antennae antennae the one of the classic phrases used uh, a lot of the argumentation over this is that the uh, assailant allegedly said where's nancy and then of course that's you know Biden himself, uh, you know, said that, that that's something that the, uh, the those awful January six people said when they were wandering through the halls, uh, wearing horns on their helmets or something. I don't know, uh, but there are a lot of other interpretations that where's Nancy could be. That's not Here, even the most likely. So here's the other thing. It you can connect it up that they said it both places. Well, because Nancy, <laughs> one's her house and the other's the capital, she's there. It's not look, the problem on January January 6th was not the terminology of where's Nancy. It's that there were people who were violent and wanted to be violent to, to Nancy Pelosi. But here's the other reality of that. How many people is that? You know, there were thousands of people that day. There were, I think, more than a thousand who entered the the Capitol. Uh, certainly, there were hundreds. Most of the people who entered the Capitol, from what I saw on television that day, which I was working at home, this starts to happen. I certainly st- sat mesmerized. I mean, they can dock my pay for that afternoon, but I was paying a lot of attention to the TV. And and so it's what what are they alleging that? certain people are violent and would attack Nancy Pelosi? Well, we know that to be true. And let's stop that. Like you might want to get someone to monitor the camera that's looking at the Pelosi house that has the film supposedly of a break-in. You kind of, or the there was supposedly also a policeman who was walking the, the beat there and saw someone in black with a with a bag or something and it was like it seemed very suspicious but said nothing to anybody including that person i mean it, this is like uh what did the uvalde texas police decide we're going to quit and go work for either the capitol police or the san francisco outfit it's like you know this is this is kind of ridiculous stuff there is a problem with violence let's stop it but this was immediately it's the Republicans' fault. This was immediately, let's whip this into an election eve, you know, big deal. And and there's also, there's a lot of people campaigning against Pelosi. And they'd like to shut that down. That was explicitly done on Face the Nation. The, the persistent questions of the lady who was in, inquiring yes. as the head of the RNC or whatever that is, that was the committee that is you know, putting out all these ads. And she says, shouldn't you take down these ads? I mean, that's just that's just obviously nuts. I don't think it impresses most people. I don't think it's going to have a dent at all in the uh, vote against no, Democrats. I don't think either. And, and, I, and for one thing, I, it, since Nancy wasn't there, uh, it looks more likely, I think most people think, yeah, that was probably, he's probably picked up a, a gay guy on the streets. That sounds like something Paul would do. Not you, Paul, that Paul Pelosi guy. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I, I, I find my all that lawyer, my lawyers will be talking to your lawyers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but that being said, I mean, we just don't know. And like the January 6th committee itself, they haven't released all the footage of what's went on inside the Capitol. They have not made it public. So this this withholding of information, nevertheless, badgering us to take a position with less information than they have. That's not exactly a winning strategy for uh, increasing public loyalty by reasonable people. I found it to be a weird story. A lot of funny memes came out of it. Uh, and I enjoyed when the hammer turned into a ball peen hammer that, you know, to me, ball peen goes all the way for a humor. I mean, it's just a funny word. And I love the hammer. Uh, you, you, did you ever find a ball peen hammer in your collection? You know, I did not. And I don't think we actually have one, yeah. but uh... I can't find mine. I have, it's in the office here, but I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of stuff in this office. Yes. Yes. Well, and uh, we had many comments on this piece. Uh, oh, did we? I didn't look at the comments for that. Uh, we had 26, but but uh, quite a few of them were were uh, Daniel Kim McKernan just uh, patiently trying to correct uh, Pam. Where is it, Pat? I better go look at it. Well, Pam is our leftist. 
Yes, because Pat corrected uh, corrected and pointed out that NBC walked back their story because I had it that there was a third person. You know, we did that as yes. a note on the piece. But no, it was uh, uh, Pam who uh, who just continually kind of changed the subject and attacked people and so on. You know, when you have someone like this on, you know, I, I have a website, so I kind of feel somewhat responsible for the platform that it, it provides. And I want to be as laissez-faire about it as uh as i can be uh because i think that's the fairest way to be uh and and let let people learn from it. and i think in some ways you know pam uh bless her heart uh is is helpful to our cause i remember years ago after debating a couple of uh, league of women voters representatives on term limits i sent a memo around going anytime they want to have a debate suggest the league of women voters which was not a nice thing to say about the uh, the quality of the uh, debating at the League of Women Voters at that time, but um, I'm sorry, just my my uh, observance, and I thought I should share it with my my side of the uh, argument. But uh, but in that way, it's kind of good. But it's it it is tedious, and and you see this on on Facebook, and sometimes you see it uh, with people who they're not ignorant. They're well educated. They're not dumb. They're they're bright. Their minds work. You would just think, even if you're kind of a mean spirited person, and I've known people. People are so much meaner when they write stuff. It sounds meaner, but they also are meaner than when they say it. And uh, and and attacking people, you know. You're, you're an idiot or you know i mean like oh well, well now i'm convinced and uh and so it's it is funny that i think uh increasingly uh the problem with social media is trying to debate is is uh is silly it's it's mainly a place to connect with people who already agree and then let's go get something done on twitter today uh 13 hours ago or more rob reiner uh wrote not hyperbola a vote for a republican is a vote to end democracy and uh, that's a pretty that that's a pretty strong statement it's amazing how one man can conform to the uh, image presented <laughs> by his original <laughs> acting role meathead uh, <laughs> i mean it, the caricature yes just as convincing as uh, meathead was uh that, 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 you know, that really was an amazing show in the sense that I, I think that Norman Lear thought that he had a hero in Rob Reiner's character and uh, and had a villain in uh, Carol's character. My family, we watched that show all the time. And uh, and of course, Norman Lear, very liberal. And 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 yet Archie Bunker was the hero in that show. It's hard for me, to, though, to think about Norman Lear doing that show and not realizing that he, Arch, he probably realized Arch, at some point. Yes. Well, and the thing was, nobody said that Archie was the smartest guy there. No, that's true. He was a good guy who stood up and did what he said he would do, who worked to earn his own way in the world and not as not easy street, but, but hard street, difficult street. And, uh, and he was kind of a jerk sometimes, but he, I mean, he wouldn't have been the hero if he didn't love Edith as much as he browbeat her and, and, you know, harassed her and, and was not always very nice. She knew he loved her. And he knew it, and they were in love. And it was it was a it was a great show. I I uh, one of the things I like about that show, and I like about a certain genre of of movie, which I always kind of thought in the old days all the movies were like this, and I, maybe they were. But today, the people are all doing stuff that you know they're secret agents who jump and fly and, and you know or half you know, machines and everything else. Here's the deal with, with Archie Bunker, Archie Bunker. And that was about real people. That show, 
uh, All in the Family was about real people and their real struggles. And so much of TV and movies today, uh, it seems like it always used to be that way. Even stuff like uh, Andy Griffith, they show that, that in the morning, my wife always watches Andy Griffith and great shows. And And look, it's not exactly real life, but it's about real people. You know, it's not like it's a true story and has every little bit of grit, but um, but it's about real people and their foibles and their joys and their sadness. And it's it's almost like people don't you know, the, you, you can you can live in weird worlds because you don't see like regular people very much on your TV or on your phone or what have you. And uh, or the big screen, it's all non-real people doing magical, fantastic stuff. And and you know, I think sometimes you need that too. I'm mean, it's not like I'm anti-fantasy or what have you, but it 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 does seem like there's this dark culture and there's this complete ignoring of how neat real life is. And how real struggles that people I know have had are inspiring and moving. And, you know, uh, and of course, even the movie movies that are fantasy, it's the real people who you can connect with who make those movies, in my mind. And and anyway, it's uh, it's I long for a day in which, you know, you're watching a movie that you might you know, you might kind of actually connect with the people in it. I enjoyed the movie uh, Raymond and Ray recently on uh, Amazon Prime, I think it was. It could have been on Apple TV. I don't remember which one. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, starring uh, uh, the new Obi-Wan Kenobi guy and uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, and the guy who starred in Gattaca, whose name I don't remember. I don't remember the actor's names anymore. Anyway, um, my problem with Al and the Family was, well, for one, it was a completely different culture than I was used to i mean these people were nothing like my family and i mean almost nothing and i i thought that the reason people liked archie bunker was that it was his house and his wife and daughter and meathead didn't show him much respect and that meathead had a respect deficit and it was obvious in the way he talked to to archie and that people felt sorry for archie and says, okay, even when if I agreed with Meathead, and a lot of people did, uh, because they don't want things like racism and so forth. I mean, Archie Bunker wasn't right, exactly an right, exemplar right. in any way. Although he also wasn't a virulent racist. Right, right, right. He, he, I remember he would say, well, you need, you need a ticket that's got an Irishman and a Jew and a this and a, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and he would say something like, the Jew has to handle the money, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but it wasn't, it, there wasn't meanness there. There was, but I remember him saying, "That's a balanced ticket." Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of funny. Oh, there was some funny stuff, but we didn't watch it in my family uh, very often, anyway. But what a strange world it is when Norman Lear can, in the song, paint Archie as a Republican, when a Democrat on the docks is what he would have been. Yes, is that he would have been a Democrat and pretending he was a Republican who liked. Herbert Hoover in the song of the, the, the open with that is so absurd. Yes. There is something really wrong with Norman Lear. Well, he wasn't, he was just off on that for certain, but, but well, that's what because, I'm saying is that he was wrong about the world. Well, he, he, he didn't understand that there were people like Archie Bunker and you're right. Uh, they were Democrats and they voted Democrat, but they would have voted for Richard Nixon. And they would have voted in 1980 for Ronald Reagan. I'm wondering if Reagan won New Jersey in 1980. Well, was that a New Jersey family? Uh, who? The Bunkers. No, it, it was New York. But okay. <clears throat> I know he didn't win New York. Yeah, <laughs> that's why yeah. I asked. Maybe he won New well, Jersey. Well, well, my father was was a, you know an old time Democrat, a Scoop Jackson kind of Democrat, who had. Uh, rarely expressed ideas that were not racially uh, advanced. Let's just put it that way. And uh, but later in life, he wasn't voting Republican. I think he 
there were times that he voted libertarian more times than I did, probably just because I was annoying about it. But uh, anyway, um, right. or just because I was weird about it. Uh, anyway, it was very interesting uh, the, the period of time. And I'm not sure what this has to do with uh, Biden's, uh, the, the whole Biden Pelosi uh, campaign. Well, we've gotten, we've gotten far afield, but maybe that's a good thing. Sometimes we, we stumble on interesting stuff. Let's go to uh, uh, Tuesday's piece, which is the FBI is misinformed. And uh, uh, this is Project Veritas uh, uh, got an FBI document and the FBI's thinking about how they can police information so that nobody's saying anything that's not right, that's not true, that's not factual. Um, and this is, you know, it's something akin to they've launched nuclear weapons and they're on their way. I mean, this is a serious, serious uh, uh, problem. And it's not it's not that some lunatic in Congress gave some speech. It's not that there's some group out there who's agitating that we need to stop speech i mean if you believe in free speech you have to let all those lunatics say whatever they're going to say and even if it's that we should get rid of free speech they have to have the right to say it what you cannot have and what the whole point of the first amendment is is to stop the government from clamping down on speech and when we already know that the FBI is busy spending their time that we're paying them to spend keeping us safe, instead they are trying to keep us quiet and unable to communicate with each other. That's not okay. And it's it's the you know the fact that hey now come on, Paul. Nobody has been, nothing has been taken down because the FBI, you know, has done anything. They're just looking at this. Well, first of all, we don't know that nothing's been taken down because the FBI whispered in somebody's ear, because we're finding out left and right that there's all kinds of administration, deep state, political staff at the White House whispering in the ears of social media to censor this and censor that. So we don't know that the FBI isn't doing it. But the fact that the FBI is even considering it, it'd be like, well, at the jail, they're considering executing every other prisoner. I mean, they haven't done anything yet, but, but that's the plan they're looking at at the moment, you know, over lunch. Uh, this is this is a serious, serious problem. And it, it what 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 bedevils me so much about this is how many people I know who I know have some, at some point, had some connection, some respect for, some connection to uh, the First Amendment. They liked it. They thought that's the way society should be, who don't seem to understand what's going on. Now, it could be that they're a strict constructionist, and the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law, and Congress hasn't made a law about this. This is all the uh, agency on, agencies on their own. So does that make it legal? No, because, of course, <clears throat> Congress, by law, created those agencies, and they can't create agencies that then just run rampant and, and violate people's rights. So the agency is constrained by the same things that, that the Congress is constrained at. But, but the truth is, that's partly true and partly false. And it's, it's, uh, it is true sometimes that, of course, a bureaucracy is going to run off and do its own thing. But it's also true that Congress doesn't ever seem to slap them back and say, no, 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 no. Congress does it, you know, they like being able to say, well, it was the bureaucracy's fault. We're, you better keep sending me up there. So I'll be very experienced in fighting the bureaucracy. And so it's it's uh, this is collusion more than it's you know competition between the executive and the legislative branch. Uh, what was the title of the piece? That's the FBI is misinformed about the First Amendment. Yeah, apparently. Uh, yeah. Well, and of course they're talking about misinformation and disinformation. And the funny thing is that we just went through three years or two and a half years or whatever it's been with rampant misinformation used, you know, from the government. And people taken off of social media 
because they disagree with the government about you know a disease you've been talking about this forever but there's more than just the lab leak theory i mean there's, there's many things involved here for one thing now people are being to recognize that oh maybe we should have considered all the effects of the lockdowns and not just what it does on the disease yes. yeah as yes. if that isn't the most duh thought in the history of mankind <laughs> i mean gee unintended consequences yeah whoever who, who, who would ever consider that <laughs> some of these things it's so scary it's you know, I, I spent a lot of my youth, Orwell, I was a big fan of 1984. That book had a big impact on me. And so you see 1984 coming. And of course, this is before it's 1984, because I'm old. And, uh, and but it in the last few years, it just seems to have accelerated to the point that, you know, Orwell should have given us a lot more specific warnings and, and foreseen way past 1984 because it's gotten worse and worse. You know, I'm going to talk about two, uh, our last two scripts just very quickly, both of which are about lawsuits and are good news. And the first one is Launch a Thousand Lawsuits, and it's about the Republican National Committee uh, when have I ever said anything nice about the Republican National Committee? I don't think ever, ever. Uh, but they got their act together. And and I happen to know a few of the people who were involved in it, and, and they had a lot of help. Uh, but people decided after 2020, you know, one of the things that was said is, look, you had your chance in court to challenge some of these different things. I believe that uh, the Trump operation did not have the sort of lawyering uh, that they should have had. And then the truth is, I don't think it was just Trump. I don't think Republicans for a long time have had anything to match the legal operation the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, has going. And uh, and they have moved to rectify that. And, and so there's all these different lawsuits and and I'm not, you know, I haven't read every single lawsuit and said, yes, every point they make is correct. I'm sure they're wrong somewhere. Um, we all are. But uh, but these are, by and large, the sort of thing where they're just going to ignore the law. And it's and sometimes it's, well, it makes more sense to do it this to count the ballots this way or we would we would have to throw out these ballots uh, if if we don't let them count, and I'll I'll run to uh, uh, Friday's piece, which is along these same lines, in it's called following the law, and in Pennsylvania, they had uh, they have a very clear law that says you have to sign and date in a specific place on the on the mail in ballot, and of course you don't have to use a mail in ballot, you don't have to vote absentee. You can go to the polls. You can, you know, we can all vote together. It's been done. And, uh, but if you do that, then you have to do it a certain way. And that's what the law says. Well, that's, you know, that that's what the law says. That's what the U.S. Supreme Court ruled because it went all the way there. And finally, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court came down and implemented what the law is and what the Supreme Court said they needed to do and said, you can't count these ballots. And so it's a number of ballots that are gonna that are spoiled. And it happens every election. And certainly I suspect there are ballots in there that are legitimate ballots that the person just did not fill out correctly. And that's terrible. And maybe that law needs to be changed in some way to provide some way to get those ballots back to that person to, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a better way to do it. But what was likely to be the case in 2020 was not the case this year, which is just do it. Just do it however you think you want to do it. We're just going to count them all. Just do. And and so um, I've been very much involved in a lot of the different, you know, I've, I've been reading on it. I've talked to a lot of different people who've been involved in some of these audits and different things. There were a lot of irregularities in 2020. It was a pandemic year. Not that's not a shock, but it's it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing that certain constitutional provisions weren't followed. Now, 
maybe it was impossible to follow. Maybe there's some rationale that a court could say, well, this is totally impossible. Therefore, we're going to provide some other route. But it seemed to me that the courts were very quick to kind of say, oh, the rules don't apply anymore. That's not the way to do it because you're, you, you know, you're going to cause problems when you don't follow the rules, change the rules if they need to be changed. But you, you know, the, and, and, you know, I'm, I can understand individuals who say, I'm not going to follow the law because it's a bad law. That's your, that's civil disobedience. That's your right. That's your duty as a human being to make your own decisions and to, to live a moral life. Even if the government says by law, you're supposed to be immoral right over here at this time. But you cannot allow a government to not follow its rules um, and, and to just make them up on the fly. And you, you, we can't have a situation. And this, this goes back many years. You know, you had Bush v. Gore. Uh, that was a mess. And it's a mess because a lot of these things have never been decided in a, in a rational way. It's uh, all the election challenges. There's always a quick timetable. People run out the clock. There's not the sort of evidence gathering and, you know, disclosure and other things. There might be in other lawsuits. Uh, they're very problematic. And then, of course, you have all the laws being made by partisan people, not by the public, by and large. And and so, you know, you've got all these problems with elections that, that you know, you want there to be at least some level of compliance with the law as it is written. So there's some certainty. It's like in the economy, uh, certain laws are not as good as other laws, but changing back and forth between good and bad laws, um, you know, or, or not so good and, and a little bit better or bad or whatever, I'm getting confused here, but, but, uh, but changing back and forth has its own costs. And and not having certainty in the economy is a big problem because then people don't invest. Well, not having certainty in elections and how the rules are going to play out are going to leave people leaving the game feeling like they got screwed over. And it's one thing feeling like you lost and you can go back for the next election because you're going to have another fair election in two years. That's the way we want it to be. We don't want it to be that there's no hope, that the only hope is, you know, what might I can bring against the government. Um, the, the, the fact that people, I think that, that you have Antifa, uh, you know, resorting to street violence, that you have the Oath Keepers uh, who can get sucked into a, you know, we're going to stop uh you know the the certification of an election uh that you have all kinds of people who think you know maybe now is the time to use violence that's insane uh and and we have so many as as screwed up as things are we have so many first amendment rights left to bring to the to the battle for anybody to be thinking, I think of of it's time for Second Amendment rights, and I don't I'm I don't get to own a gun uh, because I'm a dangerous felon who wouldn't sign a draft registration form. Uh, but I'm glad other people do, and I hope you have a bunch. In fact, I hope you have an extra. If anything hits the fan, I could use an extra one because uh, then at that point, you know, I might just uh, not abide by the by the restriction. But we're not there. We are able to talk to each other. And the truth is, the public, this is a very educated, decent public. Not that there aren't lunatics, because there are. Not that we aren't all a little bit lunatic in our own way. But the common decency of this country, the, the desire for a, a system that works, the belief in basic freedoms and rights. You know, look, we've got all the building blocks for a great country. And uh, and but we have to be in some sort of control. And it just seems like that that increasingly uh, the media, the political establishment, they want us to be they want us to be spectators. Uh, and the moment we're spectator voters instead of 
people who are actively engaged in the political process, well, then 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 we're in deep trouble. The uh, question here was about uh, when you have these mail-in ballots, uh, you have to sign them and date them on the outer envelope. I mean, you put your ballot in, a, in, a, in an envelope and you, and you seal that, then you and then you sign that and then and put that in an envelope. That's what's done in my state anyway. By the way, I don't get any other choice. I must vote by mail. Yeah, I you're 100 percent in, in Washington. I, State. I hate it. I, I really loathe it. I, I I think there should be there should be three ways to vote, and two of them should be common, and one of them should be rare, and the rare one should be the mail order mail in absentee ballot, uh, which should be a special request. It shouldn't be automatic for anyone. But that's just my opinion because I think we pe people should actually get out and vote. I think this is actually the least you can do for your country. Is it, 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 I think we need some of the togetherness. I do like people all voting on the same day. I'd be I'd be open to kind of a weekend and a Monday and Tuesday it could be a four day period. The the long in, in Virginia we we vote for six weeks. That's, that's when crazy. the early voting that is. seems crazy to me. Hugely expensive. And it means that if there's a major event that happens three or four weeks in that changes everything, you can have somebody win because they were winning 80 percent and then they massacred like a couple of, you know, uh, you know, nuns and and a family of little kids. And then they lose, you know, 100 percent of the vote the last three or four weeks, but they still get elected. Um, it's just dumb to have it split up that much. And it's much more expensive and then, you know, I think with with uh, a lot of the the, you know, mail ballot type stuff, it's it is nice, I think, to be able to put it on your kitchen table and, you know, pour over it and stuff. Of course, in Virginia, we have hardly anything to vote about, but uh, you have more in Washington state. But it's it it seems to me there is something that we're losing by elongating the process to where we're not even voting at the same time. And and not voting together. I like going to the polls, and and you know I I uh, I love taking the kids to to vote, uh, and seeing neighbors at the polls. And I mean that's part of getting along with people. Is is I mean it doesn't hurt that we realize you know Joe down the street who you know makes good burgers and fries and and stuff on July fourth. Well, he's an idiot who voted for the other guy, but I, I still like him. Okay. You know I mean? That's a, that's a healthy thing. And, and it does seem like in modern society more and more, we're all in our little cubicle with like 68 cameras on every move we make by ourselves. That's not a, that's not the world I'd like to like to leave behind. So Friday's piece. Well, we talked a little bit about it, the following <clears throat> the law, but it, it's, it was about a Pennsylvania case, and I, I I did mention that that it's it's basically you have to sign the outside of the envelope and oh, you have to date. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but it, it fed off of uh, Thursday's piece, which was about the GOP really muscling up their legal effort, and it's important because you know that the truth is, I mean, I don't know what the costs are. I think a lot of these attorneys are are donating their time because they're you know believe in the republican or the democratic party <laughs> i haven't asked them why but anyway they but um it's usually important i mean if you were paying for every cent of the different lawyering that goes on after some of these elections especially if you get a situation like florida years ago with the hanging chads and that sort of thing <clears throat> you're talking about millions and millions of dollars and uh and you know, increasingly everything gets gets uh, fought about on all these laws, and you better be challenging them before the election, not after the fact. I think I think that was one of the deals with with Trump folks is feeling like, well, they're screwing us on this this law change or that change, and this would open it up for fraud, and then the election happens, and then they're counting ballots that they should have checked a different way, but you're suing after the fact then. And all those ballots got stuck in a big stack and they all got counted. And you don't know which ones to pull out. Or, but there's no judge who feels comfortable giving anybody relief on a yeah, situation. Well, like there that. almost is no relief. It's become a mess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was my big complaint about Trump is leading into the election. He didn't prepare for 
what was obviously been cooked up. I mean, the, the, the stacking of the election using new technology, mail order ballots were mail order. Right. Keep on saying mail order, mail in ballots <laughs> in areas where it had not been used before. You know, even the secretary of state of my state said it takes years to perfect this system. It takes a long time to get a system like that up and running, and they didn't do a very good job. And I think that was the part of the deal. That was part of the problem. I think that's why the Democrats became such quick converts to over uh, overreaction to the pandemic and really like the lockdowns is that it fit their agenda uh, anyway but that's a conspiratorial notion which i'm not going to well get we'll be back with more conspiracies and agendas and and well uh, we have, you have one more piece this week the biden's war on independence oh i sure do i was ready to call it a, a week oh, you have to get through this piece you know, we have done a number of, if you go to thisiscommonsense.org and you were to search AB5, that was the law in California that has been the subject of a of a initiative by uh, by Uber and, and uh, DoorDash and others to get their gig workers out of AB5. AB5 basically in California said, you can't be an independent contractor. You have to be an employee. Uh, trying to destroy any in independent contractors and and you know what what their purpose is in that maybe they want people to work for big outfits that they can unionize or that somehow they are are more under control maybe they believe that these gig workers don't know what's good for them and don't understand how much better the world is if they throw them out of their current employment and they go find another job or get to be an employee and of course the idea behind it is always well they are automatically then hired as an employee and given extra benefits and uh you know here's the the executive uh, washroom and so on and so on um the reality of course i i do a, a good bit of work with independent contractors there's a lot of people who would like to be an independent contractor and do it that way and not just work for one place and be an employee. And of course, that's the way Uber and a lot of these others are set up. Petitioners who travel from state to state and collect signatures, they're independent contractors. They go where they want to go. They do their own thing. They work for different efforts. They all have to be part of the same company. It's, it's a very cumbersome, uh, obnoxious restriction it has been fought tooth and nail by all kinds of different people in California. There are a number of people I know who have lost work uh, uh, because they live in California and people say, I can't hire you as an independent contractor. You live in California. You're fired. Um, you're not really fired because you're not employed, but you don't get any more work or money. And that's a real problem. And uh, anyway, Joe Biden sees this. <laughs> It says, hey, it's not destroying the oil supply. It's not it's not ruining our energy future, but hey, it's still worth doing. Let's throw a bunch of independent contractors out of work. And is talking about doing this nationwide. And uh, in his bureaucracy is not through Congress. It's not even yes. a special law. This is the right. amazing thing. This these people are scum. <laughs> no, they they we are headed. We are headed to there's there's nothing wrong with executive orders. Executive orders are a president saying, okay, I'm going to implement this law in this way. And so I'm telling my bureaucracy, all you folks who work for me, here's how we're doing it. Totally within the rights of the president. But establishing all the dreamer stuff giving uh forgiving student loans doing all kinds of things that have these are these are decisions that belong to the legislative branch and the the president cannot take them over and the president can't establish the law like they have in California without getting the congress to pass the law well increasingly we're going to see presidents doing it and courts saying that's okay and the courts can dramatically expand the president's power. They've already dramatically expanded it, but they are likely to continue to do it. And what, so what's the solution? Well, the solution is to have a Congress that actually represents the American people. 
And one of the first things we could do <clears throat> that would help that is term limits. And that's why they, they don't want to, because then they would have to represent us more. The other thing is to get much smaller districts where uh, money doesn't control things so much, where shoe leather can win elections, and where people feel like I really do represent these people. I'm not representing 700,000 people stretched all over my state. I represent more like 30 or 50,000 people. And we all live around this place. And here's what our concerns are. Uh, so there, there are ways to fix everything that's broke, broken. And, uh, and, but it, it has to have something to do with the American people being represented, either representing themselves through initiatives and referendums and recalls or uh, finding ways to get politicians to actually work for us just a little bit of the time. Okay. That sounds good. All right, sir. Thank you much.